Hi, welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Pellas on Lipsits, your host in the Head Witch in Charge here to Listicism, and I'm so happy to be back in your ear holes for our next episode of our second season of the 12th House. Truly amazing. Thank you for the very warm welcome back. We're stoked to be in your feeds with our little facelift, with our little makeover. I don't know if you checked out the logo. She's looking intergalactic. She is looking sweet. She is sashaying down your feed. But really, thank you so much for being so wonderful and and welcoming, welcoming us back with open arms. It's a delight and a pleasure. I truly just went down a black, the darkest, dankest black hole on my phone because I opened it up because I wanted to, to wish you a happy full moon. And as I opened up my phone, I like, I saw all these news headlines. I just, I felt like I blacked out for a second. And then I was like, why was I on this phone? And then I remembered it's because I wanted to say full moon and Leo has been really rough. Like, man, I don't know what's going on, but it is pretty, pretty intense. At least it has been for me. <laughs> Hopefully you're surviving, but also happy belated Valentine's Day. I hope you enjoyed it. Valentine's Day is my personal favorite holiday as a Pisces sun, Cancer rising, Scorpio moon, Venus Pisces, just like love puddle. It's my favorite holiday and it is my engagement, our engagement versary. My husband proposed on Valentine's Day in true Virgo fashion, just, you know, doing anything for his Pisces Pisces lady. And I really appreciate that about him. But I hope your Valentine's Day was wonderful before, actually, for a very long time in my life. I would spend every Valentine's Day, even when I was not single, with my best friend, Eric. Shout out to Eric. And we would watch Showgirls, the X-rated, horrible movie starring Elizabeth Berkley. The acting, terrible. The script, horrific. But I think that's what got me obsessed with all things camp. Where are you from? Different places. It's just so good. So I bestow that that Valentine's Day tradition to you, dear dear listener, dear reader. If you would like to take it and run with it, please do. But that's not why we're here today. We're not here to talk about Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day already happened. We're here to continue on our journey talking about what wellness and wealth have to do with each other because they can feel really separate. And last week we talked about the three body problem and how there's often a better solution or another way. There's often a more creative way, a different way to do things than the way that we've been told they have to be done, right? For example, you know, we may have been told or we may have learned unconsciously through programming just by, by being in the world and watching TV and reading books and I don't know, like going to religious school, you might have learned that people who have money, who have wealth, who are resourced are bad people, are innately selfish, are lazy, are miserly. Think about all of the characters that exist in um, pop culture and in literature that represent these attributes, right? You know, sort of like the fat cat. And we may have learned and really absorbed that People who have wealth, people who are resourced, meaning that they have their needs met, more than met, so much so that they have, you know, downtime and leisure, are not good people. They're not the heroes of the story. They're not the one you want to be rooting for. In fact, they're the person who loses in the end. And 
Perhaps that is true sometimes, right? But maybe what we talked about last week is maybe there's some opportunity for that to also not be true (laughs) and for there to be a different narrative. And perhaps we just need to open our eyes um, and our perception to understand and see that there are other options available to us if we want them, if we so choose. So that was last week. And I'm glad you all also really like the three-body solution and problem because, man, is it fascinating to me. I'm like, can I put that on my body somewhere? I just need to be reminded that like, yes, math, but also even math doesn't always have the answers. And scientists are just like, IDK, can't figure that one out. And I like that, you know, I like a little bit of mystery. I like room for magic personally. But I want to talk today about something that's going to sound a little maybe harsh that I just want to caveat this with saying, I love you. I am always rooting for you. I'm always cheering you on. And I say this with love, but the reason you're not making money is because you're trying to monetize every fucking thing that you do. And listen, am I talking a little bit to myself five years ago, 10 years ago? Sure. Am I talking to you? hundred percent. Yes. My beautiful baddie. I am talking to you. I have seen so many times in my life over and over and over and over and over and over again, I get hit across the freaking face with this fact. The more I try to monetize every breath I take, actually, (laughs) the more holes I get, the more leaking there seems to be when it comes to my abundance, my resource, my ability to earn, and also my ability to hold joy close to my chest and to like, you know, inhale it and breathe it in. And I got a theory about this. It's more than a theory. (laughs) I got, I got a lot, but let me tell you a story first. And then we'll talk about why monetizing less leads to making a lot more money, even though it's like totally the opposite of what you would think, which technically, you know, is how we make a quantum leap. It's we we take sort of a subversive path. We take an, an antithetical route. We we do something paradoxical. And what is more paradoxical than saying, I'm going to take away potential financial streams in order to make more money, right? Okay, so we'll get to that in a second. But let me tell you a story because who doesn't love a story? And also, who doesn't love a story where someone else makes a gigantic mistake? And I will tell you, this is probably one of my biggest mistakes of 2020. So I have a lot of anxiety. I'm a naturally anxious person. And while I do a lot to manage that anxiety, it really can run my life. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not such a good thing. And in, you know, mid-2020, I had just hired two people to join holisticism pretty much like with a lot of hours. So I was all of a sudden went from a team of like, you know, just, just a few months before I just hired my first employee after running my business for three years by myself to now a team of four. And I'm like pretty responsible for everyone's livelihood. That was a lot of pressure. That's also, you know, six months into a pandemic that we don't know when, when it's going to end. We don't know what's going to happen. And while things had been going really well in the business, I was worried, you know, what if I can't keep up the rate that I'm growing and that the company's going? What if I make a mistake? What if 
I can't, you know, I have work for these people now, but I, I can't keep up the pace to continue to pay them or continue to have them on for the amount of hours that I've promised that I can have them at this point in time. And I feel like I should also just throw in here that I'm a pretty, pretty, pretty conservative person when it comes to spending money in my business, or I have been traditionally especially when it comes to hiring people. I like to make sure I have like at least six months of runway in the bank account when I hire someone to make sure that like if business shut down tomorrow, I would be able to pay that person for the next six months and everyone else is on my team. So I'm lying awake at night worrying about these wonderful new people that I've hired and I'm thinking, okay, I've tried everything. I've tried everything to, I know that this is, this is definitely linked to my perspective on money and wealth and abundance. And I know I'm doing good work, right? Cause I'm, I'm not like plateauing yet, but I feel like I'm not growing fast enough. I feel like I need to keep expanding or I need to keep learning or I keep, need to keep almost like, you know, scratching that scab. So, or scratching the wound almost. So the scab never forms over whatever it is that I'm working on when it comes to abundance and wealth and money and my relationship to, to earning and, and really resource, right. And being able to care for other people. And I tried all the shadow work. I saw a money priestess. I worked one-on-one with a coach. I'm going to therapy. I'm doing all the things, right. And I just have this nagging feeling that I'm missing something and I need someone else to help me. And that's why we hire coaches. That's why we work with therapists. That's why we, we find teachers. That's why we take courses, right? When we're looking for something that we know, we're looking for advice. We're looking for a perspective. We're looking for accountability most of the time that we can't offer ourselves, or at least we can't offer ourselves in the amount of time that we could get it from another person. So I could probably learn everything that, you know, let's say a, a a money coach has to offer, right? But it would take me years and years and years to read all those books and metabolize those concepts and see them in practice and know that they work in, in order to like have that work for me, right? Versus I hire a coach or I hire a teacher or I hire a therapist to basically outsource the work to them. They're the ones who go to school. They're the ones who read the books. They're the ones whose job it is to stay up to date with all the things and also keep track of me and my brain and where it's at and guide me along my perfect path so that I don't have to waste brain power and space doing it or energy doing it, right? And I don't think that there's anything wrong with hiring coaches or teachers or taking classes or ther- going to therapy, like clearly, obviously. <laughs> and I think that sometimes it's not the answer that we're looking for. And I found that to be so true with this experience in 2020. So like I said, I'm pretty far into the year, worrying that I'm going to plateau, plotting my next moves. And this coach person who really was like, yes, scale your business. We're going to do it in this really like sort of hyper-masculine way, sort of analytics way, not at all holistic and magical and mystical. But I thought, you know, maybe I need this type of person. Maybe I need this sort of grounded masculine energy in my life because I'm I'm good at the sort of more intuitive stuff. Maybe I need a little bit more, maybe I, 
I'll thrive under this perspective. Maybe this person really has something to teach me that I have a blind spot on that I just can't see. And I am not one for really, listen, you can do whatever you want. I've heard amazing things about some people's masterminds and also some not good things about many masterminds. But I'm not, I've never been really one of those people who's like super motivated by paying money to do something. Like I know some people, they need that to be accountable. They need to pay $5,000, $10,000, $100,000 to a coach in order to really like put their butt on the line and, and get into action. That's never really worked for me. I'm not a gambler, but I think I, 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 not being facetious, I think that works really well for people who like are deeply motivated by that but I'm too anxious. <laughs> so that doesn't work for me. But I was working with this coach, well, found this coach and it was definitely the most money that I'd ever had to spend for working with someone. And I had to basically pay it in two sums. It was $10,000. And I was like, this is a lot of money. Like this is a lot, a lot of money for me to be spending on the business. And I know that in order to scale, that's often what you need to do. You need to invest in things like ads or marketing or hiring new people because when the scope of your work changes, when it expands, then your spend, your spend is going to change too. It's going to increase. So I knew that I needed to spend some money in order to get and basically open up to that next level, right? And I was either going to spend that money on marketing or ads or hiring or you know, deepening my own knowledge base. So I chose that one because I figured that was important. And, you know, really pretty immediately, I was like, this is not a good fit. This is not, mm -mm, this is not it. But I like to give things the old college try. I'm an optimistic skeptic. I'll try anything two or three times before I am like, nope, you're dead to me. I'm not doing this anymore. I I like to give things a fair shot and be open-minded. So I gave it a, a couple months and I just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't good guys. It wasn't clicking. And I was really bummed because I thought I was going to learn all this stuff from this guy. And I thought I was going to have these epiphanies and these breakthroughs, even if it wasn't, you know, breakthroughs in my business. Cause I, I really know I study a lot and I know a lot. <laughs> I've seen a lot of shit. So it's very rare that I find something brand new to me when it comes to business building in the, in the area that I'm in, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I'm omniscient and that I'm an, an encyclopedic encyclopedic knowledge of running businesses, but in the area of what I do, I'm, I'm pretty well-researched. So I, was, I wasn't exactly expecting that, but I was expecting some sort of mindset or perspective or just even like being around people who maybe were where I wanted to be. And I just didn't see that. And I was really bummed, but thankfully, you know, I kind of explained it to this coach and said, listen, I'm not your perfect client and you're not my perfect coach and neither of us is going to be happy. And it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and I, I would like a refund, please. And thankfully he was very gracious and, and offered that to me. But I was really butthurt, you know? I was like, God, am I ever going to work through this stuff? Am I, am I just like destined to like be at this level for the rest of my life? Have I done all the work? And like, this is just it? Like I've reached the end of the line. Is there... Maybe it's just, I'm not meant for, you know, whatever it is that I think is bigger that I should be learning. And I kind of let my attention wander in some other places. And funnily enough, I got 
really interested in this idea of how cryptocurrency works and how decentralized finance works. And I'm not a math person, like not by a long shot, unless I have a degree in dance. I used to cry when my dad would, you know, talk to me about math. <laughs> you know, he was like, how do you do the tip? Well, you just move the, you move the decimal point over and then you multiply by two and then you add seven. And then I'm like, well, I'm just crying. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Man, good times. Oh, nothing like crying with your dad in front of your math homework at like nine o'clock at night on a Tuesday. Anyway, I'm not a math person is the long and short of it. I'm not an investment person. I'm not someone who follows the stock exchange just for shits and giggles. So to get interested in crypto was like really foreign to me. It was, it, it was surprising. And I think part of what was so surprising was that it didn't feel like talking about money the way that I learned about money. And that sort of, that unassuming entry point got my armor down. It, it opened me up and I realized that I was underneath my armor was this sponge sort of like ready to soak in all this new information and these new perspectives and these new ideas and the cool thing about getting out of our comfort zone and often getting into different areas, industries, seeing different types of businesses or, or meeting different types of people who are running businesses and how they're doing it is that we can take the lessons that, let's say, exist in the manufacturing space and we can apply them to the work that we do. Because usually those lessons maybe not on a detailed sort of minutia perspective or, you know, sort of at, at that level, they may not be applicable, but from a high level systems perspective, from a mental model perspective, we can apply them to our work. And often they are the thing that helps us get out of a rut. Seeing an example of how something could work in someone else's business or in some other industry actually is like extended mind theory. It opens us up. It helps our unconscious tap into potential solutions that could work for us. And I think that this is an underrated strategy for those of us who really identify with being under earners and want to renegotiate our relationship to wellness and wealth and abundance and resource. We need to not just do shadow work and not just do mindset work and not just pull the tarot and not just, you know, talk to our Akashic records and, and not just clear our ancestral lines. All that's really important too. And talking to your ancestors and talking to your guides and listening for signs and trusting your intuition. All that stuff is very important. And I think it's also deeply important, especially if we're feeling stuck with that. You know, if we feel like I'm doing all this work, but I'm not budging, nothing's changing. It's also like, I think necessary for us to look for that new perspective, like what we talked about last week. And learning about money takes many forms. It can, of course, an abundance take the form of mindset work and, you know, shadow work, but it can also take the form of maybe learning how a financial system works or how your local bodega does business, or how, I don't know, a company like Glossier or Peloton raises money and scales their business to astronomical levels, and also why that might not be the best thing to actually happen. Check out our TikTok for more information on that. But I think especially for intuitive and squiggly-brained people, we need to see these 
like multiple forms of a lesson, especially around money, because we're nonlinear, we need to almost get eyes on every single little detail, (laughs) all the potentials in order to effectively put the puzzle pieces together. We need to like sort of dump the puzzle out. And I think a lot of money and abundance and um, wealth work is sort of done in a linear fashion. Like let's do, let's unblock this shadow part. And then let's, let's like think about what your ideal salary could be. And then let's raise your money minimum. And, and actually I think that for many of us, we need to dump the puzzle out. Like I said, we need to get introduced to these concepts and then sort of put them together in a way that makes sense for us, for our unique brains, for our squiggly brains, for our nonlinear brains that don't follow a straight path, that are not a straight line, that are curves and swirls and swoops and are organic. Nature is made up of curved lines, not straight lines. So all that being said, how does this like clock in with what I started this podcast with, which is that you're monetizing way too much stuff and that I guarantee you, if you cut 90% of the things that you've tried to monetize and you focus on just 10%, you will make exponentially more income. You will have so much more money. What does that have to do with this sort of like nonlinear thinking? Actually quite a bit. For those of us who are nonlinear, maybe you have ADHD like me, or you just identify with having a squiggly brain, you're super creative, you're intuitive, and you're not necessarily, I don't know, the most literal or linear thinker in the world. You probably are in a cycle that's very much influenced by your brain chemistry. And the cycle looks a little bit like this. So you pick up a hobby to relieve, let's say, work stress. And you realize you're pretty good at it because you're good at a lot of stuff, like kind of inexplicably. Anything you pick up, a lot of the things you pick up, you're really good at. And maybe it's because you don't stick with things long enough that you're not good at because they're boring. So it feels like you're good at a lot of things because you only stick with the things that you're really good at. (laughs) I think that's a little bit of what I am. (laughs) If I'm going to be honest with you. Or maybe you're just really a multi-hyphenate. You're multi-talented. You have lots of interests and you're really smart. you got a lot of potential. So you pick up a hobby and you realize you're really good at it, obviously. And you have this lingering sort of like or looming figure in your head of what's in your bank account because it's kind of always stalking you, right? Money is on your mind all the time. It's kind of like dieting. Like when you're counting calories, you're constantly thinking about what is going to be how am I going to burn calories next? And what's my next intake going to look like? And I think when we're feeling like we don't have enough resource or we're feeling scarcity, that's how money is for us, right? It's like this looming figure that's always in the back of our head or even at the forefront of our minds. And so you, that's it constantly in your head. And you realize, you know, you need, you need more cash. And maybe even you're constantly thinking about the fact that you need more cash. And you're like, you know what? I'm good at this thing. I'm good at organizing houses. I should monetize this. You know, I could really make a business out of this. I, I could, people could hire me to come and clean out their closets. I could totally do this on the weekends. I could do my normal nine to five job. I could do my blogging at night, you know, from Monday through Thursday. And then I could take all day Saturday and Sunday to just like organize people's houses. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And then obviously you do it. 
you hyperfocus, you fixate, and you spend a bunch of money basically binging on how to make this thing a business. You buy a URL, you set up the Twitter, you go on Canva, you make yourself 16 different logos, you set up the Instagram, you you know, you got, you got the Squarespace already because you got the URL. So you might as well set up the Gmail account with the special fancy sign off. You do all the things. Oh, of course. And you're, you're a decorator. So you are designer and organizer, I should say. So of course you got to go to the container store and you got to pick out all the best containers. You got to get, you got to try a bunch of them, right? You can't just like be going with only the acrylic. You got to check out the bamboo. You got to check out the metal. You're looking at all of your options. Then maybe even, I don't know, you take it to the next level and you're like, I can't just be buying this stuff from container store at full price. That's expensive. I got to go wholesale. Where can I get some wholesale versions of these organizers? Because that's definitely what I'm going to need to run this business. <laughs> and you've done all that in like the four hours between when you had the idea, but honestly, between when you organized your own pantry and you're like, I'm fucking good at this and, and realized you wanted to make it a business. All of this has gone through your brain. You've maybe spent hundreds or even thousands of dollars because you're excited, right? And then you launch the thing, or maybe you soft launch it, or maybe you just buy all of the things that you need and you get them delivered to your house a couple of weeks later and you get stressed because I don't know, maybe you didn't think this whole thing through and you didn't realize that if you, you know, you'd have to actually market it to people. And in order to market it to people, you have to come out and say that you do this thing and you have to maybe get pictures and you don't have pictures yet. Oh God. Okay. So maybe you have to do someone's house for free. Okay. And then you can do someone's house for free and then you can get pictures, but how are you going to get a photographer to come? Should you get your own camera? Should you hire a photographer? You don't have the money. Well, maybe, maybe they'll do it for free if you organize their house. Okay. Well, how many photographers do I know that I can reach out to? And all of a sudden, this really fun hobby, this thing that you were good at, this thing that brought you joy, this thing that you did while you were just listening to your favorite true crime podcast, because that's what you do when you organize, is now this thing that is stressful, that's work, that's not making you money, or you're like, fuck. I have to work harder for this thing to make me money. I have to actually focus for this thing to make me money. I'm going to have to market it. It's taking so much more effort than I thought it was going to take. And so, you know, instead of your organi closet organizing business absolutely taking off overnight and getting booked out, you post a couple times on Instagram and on Twitter, you send out a couple DMs, you try even maybe to do a giveaway and then you're like, fucking shit, this is hard you know what? I need to take a break. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do a cool hobby. Maybe, you know what? I'm going to go to a ceramics class. And of course you go to a ceramics class. You love it. You throw, you are making the best, best ashtrays anyone's ever seen. And you know, maybe a few weeks into your ashtray making situation, you're like, you know, I'm really good at this ceramics thing. I could make some really cute, kitschy little, kitschy ashtrays, you know, ashtrays for people that don't smoke. Yeah. That's cute. I like that. Yeah. I could pick you know, I should start to make these. I should take some pictures of these. And then of course you go through the cycle again because you've, my friend, tried to monetize yet another hobby. And this cycle continues for people who have squiggly brains. And there's actually a reason. There's nothing wrong with you, first and foremost. Nothing to feel bad about. It's actually a very, very normal way that you have tried to cope with the way that your brain works. And for those of us who have squiggly brains or ADHD, we tend to have and need, we have low dopamine and low norepinephrine. And so we need 
more dopamine, which is the pleasure, you know, novelty signifier in your brain, signal in your brain. And norepinephrine is the thing that signals fear and anxiety. When those two things are combined, norepinephrine and dopamine at the sort of perfect level at a base, at a sort of medium rate, we have a focus. We're able to go deep on something. We're able to finish something. But for those of us with squiggly brains, with ADHD, we need excessive amounts of both of these molecules, I guess we can call them, in order for us to actually get to focus. So that means that we need extreme levels of novelty, constantly jumping from thing to thing to thing, new thing to new thing to new thing, constantly raising the stakes, constantly adding in new elements, changing your logo a hundred times, redoing your website every week, pivoting your business plan, launching a new product. All these things are examples of novelty and extreme novelty. And norepinephrine is fear. And it often comes up as a form of procrastination. And we really need for squiggly brains, we need super high novelty and also very high norepinephrine in order to get us into action, to compel us into action. So we raise the stakes because that triggers our stress response, our norepinephrine, our anxiety, our fear. Oh my gosh, when I know I have a deadline, when I know I need to get these orders fulfilled, when I know that people are going to be watching, when I know that I will only stay accountable to this thing if I make a business out of it, Because I have learned over the last X number of years in my life, being myself, having my brain, that if I don't make this something that's publicly accountable, then I'm just going to drop it. Even though it brings me so much joy and pleasure, because I'm easily distracted by other things, I can't trust myself to stay with the things that give me pleasure just for the sake of them giving me pleasure. Just like let that sink in for a second. What a lesson, what a like thing to take away for ourselves that we, for many of us with squiggly brains, just the idea of pleasure and being with pleasure and returning to something purely because it brings us joy or comfort or even just contentedness isn't enough. It's almost like we forget about it or we're worried we're going to forget about it. And we end up Because of this, we don't trust our brains to hold on to hobbies or making art or doing things that bring us joy. We have to monetize them. We have to make them side hustles or else we will not continue with them. That's what we really believe about ourselves. And that's not actually true. It's just that we need to like build a system to help us, you know, (laughs) do things that are like making art and finding pleasure and being a hedonist and making things just to make them. And we also need to like sort of unfuck our brains and take ourselves out of like the scam that is capitalism all the time. And which tells us that everything that we can sort of extract value from, we should. That is so capitalist, right? But that's what you're doing when you're trying to monetize every single thing in your life. You don't need to do that. And in fact, if you want to be capitalism critical, if you want to be anti-capitalist, so many people want to be that now, then you really shouldn't try to extract value from every single thing that you do. You should make art just to make art. Or let me take out the should. Should Should has killed more dreams than anything else. Should has killed more dreams than any no ever has. You can make art just to make art. 
You can, in fact, spend a whole day doing nothing that makes you money and not feel guilty about it. You actually deserve that. And when we try to monetize every single thing we do, like these hobbies that really bring us joy, that help us self-actualize, that help us work through concepts, ideas, our identity, right? Which inevitably, when we work through our identity, when we know ourselves, when we self-actualize, we become so much more powerful, potent, and magnetic in the thing that we do monetize. It's part of extended mind theory. The idea that Sometimes we need to step away from our lowercase w work so that we can do our sacred work, uppercase w, and just be, because that's what we're here to do. We're just here to have a human experience, right? Like be on this planet in these little meat suits, running around, being crazy, listen to Justin Bieber and podcasts. Wild. I'm on the internet. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> and when we try to monetize every single thing we do, inevitably, we extract, yes, value from it, but we also extract the joy and the pleasure. And when we do that, we're extracting the opportunity to self-actualize, to develop, to grow, to change, to shift, to timeline collapse, to quantum leap. And if that's what you want, to quantum leap, to shift, to evolve, to change, to transform, to become the highest, greatest version of yourself, then like you got to fucking chill out and not try to make everything a side hustle. And in fact, I bet if you cut out everything except for two of the ways that you make money, you would see your bank account just expand. But in order to get there, we have to sort of unwrap two concepts for ourselves. And then I will leave you with this because these are important things that I want you to think about. The first thing is that there's that nagging feeling, remember when we, what we talked about, that's always in the back of your head that you need to make more money. If you are under earning, that is going to always be there. And you can work on worthiness. Sure, worthiness is really important. But if you're under earning, and most of us are, especially women, especially non-binary folks, you are always going to have the feeling that you're not earning enough. We are chronic under earners. Those of us who are kin keepers, who are caregivers, who are traditionally used to putting themselves and their needs second or last in order to tend to and care to the needs of others, we are chronic under earners. Also, those of us who are squiggly brained, who are very talented, who are good at a lot of things, who maybe learned at a young age that when we outshine other people, we get in trouble, of course, we are going to be under earners. You know why? Because when you stand out, you get in trouble. And what's a way of standing out? Well, certainly having money, certainly having wealth, certainly showing people that you're doing well. These are ways that we have unconsciously, you know, sort of flagged for ourselves that are not you know, we're not safe to do that. We're not safe to be special, to be different, to be the nonlinear thinkers we are, to see magic, I mean, arguably in everything. It's not safe for us to do that. It's not safe for me to be different and to show my differentness and to show my specialness. So 
in order to get out of this cycle of like constantly burning yourself out and trying to monetize everything, we need to come to grips with the fact that we're under earning. And a couple things need to happen. You have to, you don't have to do anything, but I would recommend raising your energetic minimum, which is sort of a mindset thing. And also seeing what people earn, what people can make and what's possible in your business. And something that's very helpful for this is a method called profit first. Budgets do not work for people with ADHD. They just do not work for us. If you've ever felt like a budget makes you want to like your soul leave your body, eh, you probably have a squiggly brain (laughs) because they just, they really don't make sense. They actually hurt us and they actually make us more financially unstable. Profit first is a very, very helpful model alongside raising your energetic minimum that can help with under earning. And the second thing is that we need to basically know that we're not and trust ourselves that we're not going to drop the ball on yet another brilliant idea or plan or hobby or project. We're not going to drop the ball on it because we can trust ourselves We can trust our intuition and we can trust that we're not going to burn out. We can trust that as people, it's okay to have lots of different disparate interests. And in a society that loves to put us into little tiny boxes with three descriptive words that we can put in an Instagram or Twitter bio, we're not used to being multidimensional. We're not used to embracing all of our weird discrepancies and idiosyncrasies. The things that don't you know, tie up neatly in a bow as making quote unquote sense in your identity and who you are. You know, you can be into skeletons and tattoos and punk rock, and you can also be into wearing prairie dresses and homesteading and pickles. And you can also think Disneyland is kind of fun. And you can be into true crime you know, and you could be an abolitionist. You can be all of these things. You can be interested in all of these things. You don't have to make it make sense. It makes sense because it's you. You are the through line. And for so many of us, we've learned that our having lots of interests makes us flaky, makes us stupid, makes us a dilettante, makes us someone who's not serious, makes us someone who is a Uh, jack of all trades, but master of none, or Jill of all trades, or person of all trades, but master of none, master of nothing. When in reality, that's not true. And as squiggly brained and intuitive and creative person, your superpower is the fact that you're interested and captivated by so many different things. Because at the intersection of those things is your unique earning potential. The thing that no one else can do the perspective that no one else can see, that only you can get paid for, that only you can really like be an expert in. And that's what you have to monetize, just that center, just that like intersection. I won't even say center. All the other sort of webs and lines that are poking out of that, everything else in your orbit, in your universe, like You don't have to monetize all of it. It just has to exist and you have to find pleasure and joy in it. And when you do, 
you will continue to develop. You will see new pathways. And guess what? That unique intersection that you're standing in the middle of, it will continue to grow and deepen. And that's where you're going to earn. When you go deeper and deeper and deeper, when you get even better, when you get even more passionate, when you connect even more things, when you really just keep showing up, because that's, that's, that's really it. So when you can find something, an intersection that you're willing to show up pretty consistently for years, like you got a made bed. And really all that means is that you have to find an intersection that's deeply fascinating to you. That's captivating. That's interesting and fun. That makes you feel like you are growing new grooves in your brain. And (laughs) easier said than done. But that, those two ideas, recognizing that we're under earning and that there's a pathway out of it, and also trusting ourselves that we can have so many different interests and it doesn't make us flaky or a loser or stupid. It actually makes us like even more powerful and even more monetizable. That is how you can get yourself out of the cycle of burnout and constantly side hustling and really start earning what you deserve and stop working as hard and start making more art and start doing things not to just make a paycheck, to sort of extract yourself from capitalism and the cycle of capitalism, the decrepit capitalism system. And I think that at the end of the day, like these concepts are really important for our well-being. If we look at, you know, how we exist on this planet, of course, obviously, but also like what our mental health state is, what our, you know, joy, what our gold is that we bring to the world, what our sacred work is. It all ties into this. So I've said so much. I think this is like probably so long. Oh shit. Okay. It's a really long podcast, but I I hope some of these concepts landed. And I just want to reiterate one more thing. And that's that it really helps to combine a bunch of different strategies and a bunch of different learnings around money and abundance to talk about kind of like what we did today, to talk about, you know, sort of the like esoteric stuff, like energetic money minimum, and to also talk about your brain chemistry and to also talk about how you could potentially run a business that uses less work and less of your brain space and is more easeful not necessarily easy, but more easeful. And sometimes you need to do that by meeting the person or a person who runs a business like that. Sometimes you just need to know that it exists. You need to see it as an example. And that's why I'm very passionate about like this concept. And and I've had so many people ask us at Holisticism to talk about monetization and passive income. And my hot take is like that there is no such thing as passive income, truly. Everything is active, but it has varying degrees of effort that you have to put into it. And you know, I'm big on systems. You know, I'm a slut for systems. I really think that passive income is just a system. And when you have a really good system, it's it feels more passive. <laughs> It feels easier. And when you don't have a great system, it's incredibly active. And most of us have businesses that are incredibly active. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, muscularity is fine. But I think it's really important to 
open up these conversations and start having them in our communities when we talk about things like spirituality and wellness. And we also talk about running intuitive businesses and how can we take a more holistic perspective and when it comes to abundance, when it comes to wealth, when it comes to money and and our earning capability and the work that we're here to do. Because, you know, if you have a business that doesn't earn money, you just have a hobby. And if you want to start a business, then that means you have to make money. And if you are against the idea of earning, but you want to be an entrepreneur, then you got some you got some work to do, my friend. And that's why we made Notion for Magical Bodies, Magical Monetization. It's our new cohort that actually starts on February 22nd. If, we did not plan this. 2-22-22 is the first day of the cohort. I mean, talk about magical. Holy shit. Wish it was my birthday. It's not. But I'm really excited for it. And I was actually, I'm going to be really honest with you, like a little bit nervous to teach this, even though it had been requested, like it's our number one most requested class ever, ever, ever. But I'm really excited because I have a squiggly brain. I've struggled with so much of this work. And I think now knowing that there are so many people out there who really think like me, like you think like me, and that's really cool. <laughs> we think like each other. Um, and it makes like all this struggling that I think I had to go through worth it. Cause if I can, if I can save you the time and energy that I spent in like the $10,000, you know, that I spent plus and, and then some, then, then that will be a job well done. And it really is different for those of us who have squiggly brains, for those of us who have ADHD and who are super creative. A lot of the strategies that are out there just don't work. And so in this notion of magical baddies, magical monetization class, there's four live sessions. And together over um, those four sessions over two weeks, we'll go through understanding what monetization looks like from a couple different perspectives. From the idea of extended mind theory and how you can figure out what needs to quote unquote be monetized versus what should not be monetized in your life to collapsing timelines and finding your unique intersection, preparing your nervous system for wealth work, embodying your wealth archetype so you can collapse a timeline and quantum leap. That's fine. That's a way to find ease. That's finding another pathway, right? Which is what we talked about last week on the podcast. And how to get to monetization through a well-tested product, which is something, it's a very tangible sort of action step that most people don't go through. They get really caught up in the channeling of a product or a project or a business, but they don't actually test it. And, you know, making your product anti-fragile or your business or your service, whatever it is, by testing it over and over and over again is really, really important. And that is the way that you can effectively build a system where you're working the minimum amount and you're making the maximum amount of money. And by figuring out like what that like perfect product or that perfect service is through trial and error. And that trial and error process doesn't need to be painful. It can actually be very, very easy. You just have to know what the right questions are to ask. So we'll give you those. And then you know, finally, we're going to talk about passive income and what passive income strategies, quote unquote, passive income actually look like using SEO and content in your passive income products and an, a very easy to implement passive income system because I want to give you like the easiest way to do it. And I'm going to just give you this caveat. It's not passive. I wouldn't call it passive, but it's definitely a lot easier. It's something that you can spend 
you know, four hours a month doing as opposed to 40. And I think that's where a lot of people want to be, where a lot of us want to be, right? And then why budgets don't work and how to use the profit first method and how to track how your business and how your profits and how your product and how your passive income, you know, product or service, how all of that is working, tracking it over time with ease and being able to spot immediately when there is an issue so that you can pivot and get back on track without missing a beat, without getting to the depths of, oh, holy fuck, how am I going to pay my rent? I never want you to be in that position again where you've got that gnawing feeling in the back of your head saying, I need to be making more money and I because I can be making more money because I am under earning. This cohort will give you all of the tools to, from a high-level perspective to know where to go next. So that's not a problem for you anymore. And then finally, something that we're adding in with this cohort, which is something different than what we've ever done with a notion of a magical bodies class is we're actually giving you our 30 day heroic imperfect action challenge. It's something that we'll do together as a group, as a community after the class official cohort is class, like live classes are over. And basically this actually was a 30 day challenge that we did in the North node last year. We've tuned it up for you and you'll be going through it with our North North noders at the same time, which start that starts in March. And it's 30 days of ideating, creating, and launching a product into the world and basically stress testing that product. When we did this with the North Node, people literally wrote books. They published decks. They um, made courses. They created communities. They created podcasts. They did so much in 30 days. It was phenomenal. And I would say the majority of these products did extremely well which is so cool. Like they're still going today and that's saying something. So you'll, you get that. And that's actually a $99 value alongside the magical monetization course. So effectively you're going to take what you learn in class and you're going to implement it in that 30 days. And we'll be there right alongside you as you implement these new strategies, helping you troubleshoot them and metabolize them and see them work. And if you run into speed bumps, we're there to help out. I'm really excited about this class. And like I said, it goes live on, well, doors are already open and the doors will close on Monday, February 21st at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Class begins on February 22nd, bright and early, 7 a.m. Pacific time. And classes are live. They are one hour long and they are geared towards quickly brain people. So ADHD people like me and like the rest of the holisticism team. If you have any questions about the class, I'm so happy to answer them. I'm really, really excited about this. As you can tell, um, talking about business and money is one of my favorite things to do, obviously. And um, really like, I don't think enough people talk about it for squiggly brains and for in a way that makes sense for us. So I'm delighted to do so. And I hope that this lesson was useful to you, you know, and you, I've given you maybe some permission to look at the things that are not serving you. The areas of, that you've tried to monetize that are actually, instead of being generative or degenerative or stealing your energy, your joy, your passion, your life force. And I just want to remind you that like, you're not just here to work. You're here to live. And I know, you know, I love to quote Karl Marx. Marx believed that we self-actualize through the work that we do, not like working at, you know, a factory or like, you know, doing a pencil pusher job at a desk. 
but in doing work that challenges us and that asks us to grow and that we want to work. And when we are constantly trying to monetize everything we do, we don't always have the mental bandwidth to really wrestle and to, I don't know, I guess just like process to think, to examine our actions, our thoughts, and what it is that we believe and the magic that we see in the world. And I just want to give you permission to, first off, do your sacred work, to not be working all the time, to go live, to go experience. And I want to like ease your fear. Trust me, when you cut out the things that you've tried to monetize that just are not doing it, you will see so much flow in because a vacuum will be created. You'll see so much abundance flow in. It's going to be like uncanny. It's going to be freaky. In fact, like I actually put a caveat on this class. If you're not prepared for like big change to happen pretty, pretty quickly, like if you emotionally are like you're not well-resourced enough for everything to change almost overnight, then you shouldn't sign up for this class. But if you are ready for that, then great. Time to start thinking about this stuff. Time to start implementing this stuff. And you can start with what we talked about today. Okay, that's all I have for you. I hope that this made sense. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to listen to more episodes around wealth and money and hear a little bit more of my perspective and holisticism's perspective, just um, scroll back in the archives. Our last series in series in season one, it was all around abundance and money is medicine. It was a really good series with some amazing guests. So go check it out. And I think it will be really helpful if you haven't already checked, um, tuned in. And I think that's it. If you haven't already go ahead and give us five stars on Spotify. It really helps other people find the podcast. If you're feeling super generous, you could leave us a review on Apple podcasts. It means so much and we really appreciate it. You can also follow along for a more lighthearted podcast. If you're, you know, like you're just like kind of feel lonely. You just want to hang out with your internet friends. Well, listen, good for you is the podcast where you can just hang out, shoot the shit. I don't know, have the two brain cells left in your brain, just sort of tap, tap, tapping at each other, um, sending laser beams in each other's general vicinity. It's our podcast about wellness, conscious consumerism, and it's really fun. So you can check out Good For You and follow along. That podcast goes up on every Friday and we have a very funny episode coming up this Friday. So I hope you can tune in. That's all I've got for you this week. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your week. I hope that I get to see some of you in our magical monetization class. I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can sign up and I will see you on the internet. Bye. Bye.